0: Taking the mystery out of investing with answers to your financial questions. This is Money Talk with Dave Spano and Mark Oswald from Annex Wealth Management on WTMJ.
1: Here we go. It's money talk for Saturday, October thirteenth. A crisp forty three degrees. I'm Danny Clayton. Dave Spano joins me in studio. Well, first off, you were at the brewer game. Yep. Tell me, was it as electric as it sure it sure looked like it on TV?
2: Well there was certainly there was a buzz and there's been a buzz over the last, well of number of games You're you know this right. is 12 in a row i I, w- I went to george webbs for you this morning <laughs> they're not ready quite no, yet thursday that's thursday, thursday. yeah yeah, yeah. Cause yeah cause thursday. i was gonna bring you a greasy burger this morning, well but l- let me that's tell that's you i, I mean
1: again the the um, the coverage was fantastic but it just the stadium looked great yeah. everybody looked into it i mean it was just it was packed so there, there literally is
2: a buzz in the building i mean yeah. you know, it's just it, it's electric it's you know it this was like this in 2011 and 2008 where
1: it just was rocket. does it feel like it's more
2: a little yeah, bit more? Yeah, a little bit a little more. Bit more. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Everyone is fired up. I mean, the place looks fantastic. The right. stadium is excellent. Of course, all those yellow towels are going. And in this this going down to the end of the game stuff, I was going to see if we could get a bogo buy one, get one, <laughs> right. uh, hey. a pacemaker with me and Euchre. Yeah. Right, right. I mean, right. I,
1: mean I, I had to get up early for the show, so... They're up five to one, six to one. No, might have been six to one. I'm like, oh, this is fine. But the Dodgers are sneaky like that. Well, and
2: that's well. Think about that. They had four errors, and here we were. At the, at the very end of the game trying to survive this thing. So this is going to be a series for sure. Yeah. So we got one and two here, three, four, five uh, out in L.A., and then game six where we're going to clinch it here back in Milwaukee next Friday night. Wouldn't that be nice? Yes. That, that would
1: be really nice. Oh, and and, I, and so, I like
2: that because the, the tour to Italy, that <laughs> right. is Saturday morning, and I don't want to miss <laughs> game seven.
1: <laughs> That's true. You know, w- when we booked the Fox World thing with you to Italy, you had – I mean, there was no inkling, right, that the brewers were going to have this kind of season.
2: We didn't know that. However, mid-season, I did mention something to the brewers that, uh, you know, if you go to the World Series this year, I'm going to have to fly back from Italy. Yeah.
1: And, and I know you ran into Rose on the way out, so I you did. probably started the <laughs> yeah. arrangements already. Yeah, how, how so. We work that well, out. It, was, it was quite a week, and it was probably uh, a good week. And we're going to cover that because Derek Felsky is going to be in here in a little bit, our, our chief investment officer. But, um, you know, it's funny because the Dow, and that's the number that most people see, and, and for some reason they think they understand that the best. I guess I do too. You know, the Dow was actually setting records betf- between, before we hit a Wednesday and a Thursday. And it was interesting, you know, now that I'm part of Annex Wealth, management I didn't hear the phones going crazy I didn't hear people people like freaking out I think this is just these things happen and and I even I watched you guys I watched our investment team and I said at one point I go well what does this mean and you guys were all very calm. I mean, right. you've been through this before.
2: Well, and we have. And th- think about all of the corrections that we have. And there's the corrections happen all of the time, and I think that's the takeaway. And I think we were pretty calm. But the big thing, as, as you well know, is that we're financial planning firm, and the plan is part of this. Investments yeah. is part of the financial plan. And, you know, we've talked about your situation a lot on the air. In fact, uh, in this very chair that I'm sitting in was your dad yeah. uh, one time that yep. we – uh, did the show and you know we did a lot of planning with uh, with your family and you know I got my condolences uh, well, to
1: you sure uh, just real quick on a on personal note um, my dad passed a week ago yesterday and um, it was expected he was 88 he had a fantastic life but one of the best things that we did was uh, and just for my peace of mind as he got older and he's declined a little bit I wanted his investments under one roof and that's what we did mm-hmm. and this is before i mean this is a couple of years ago and it just it set things in such great order i mean we really were able to you know now i'm actually having a meeting with our staff on on monday and it's just going to flow the way it should, right? and it's, that's planning.
2: Well, that is planning, and, and a lot of folks who come in, even if they're self-directed type investors, when they get later on in life, they go, you know, I liked what I was doing, I was the investment guy in the house, but what happens to the investments and what happens to the plan if something happens to me is the question yeah. that we get from folks. And so they come in and say, all right, let's bring the couple in together, let's put a plan together and say, what if, is there a plan should you keep your money at an independent custodian like we use? Should you hire a fiduciary to oversee that in case something happens to me? This is what happened in your situation. Yep. You knew it was in the right spot, and, yep. and that was part of the well, plan.
1: And even the, the bonus, because at one point, Deanne said, okay, Ole, what is it that you want to do? And what she helped him do and Annex helped them do was they set up a scholarship fund in this little town in in, in Montana uh, and now, f- in his parents' name, and now for generations, kids are going to be able to go to school. Isn't and awesome? so, and that, that just that was one of the best things of his fl- last couple of years yeah, is having awesome. that in place. So, well, we got a big show coming you.
2: up, lots to cover. So, yeah. uh, s- stick around.
1: Yeah, stick around. Thanks. It's the Annex Wealth Management Show. com is the website. You can hit that up, uh, sign up for that free portfolio analysis. Also, Axiom, which is our weekly newsletter, it's annexwealth.com.
0: Money tips that don't cost a thing. This is Money Talk with Dave Spano and Mark Oswald on WTMJ.
1: Team Technology Trust. It's Money Talk, Annex Wealth Management. I'm Danny Clayton. Uh, Dave Spano is here, Mark Oswald. And look, the roller coaster rider It's Derek Felsky. Quite a week, huh? No, I had a great time. Yeah, welcome back.
2: Thanks for uh, joining us, guys. And uh, it was an interesting week, no question about it. You know, we talk about the roller coaster that was this past week, and I mean, we had two back to back down days on Wednesday and Thursday, totaling thirteen hundred Dow points, Derek. And uh, that was a big ride.
3: It was, and I think you know part of what happened here is, is for most of the year, international markets have dramatically lagged the S and P five hundred, with emerging markets down in bear market territory, developed markets overseas down as well, but the U.S. economy and the U.S. stock market were sort of the you know the strongest. What do you call it? the dirtiest, the cleanest shirt and the dirty laundry? I don't know right, something exactly. like that. Um, but but basically, I think what you saw really was in an absence of news, simply a, a rotation away from U.S. stocks towards cash as people got concerned about any number of things: the Fed, China, uh, tariffs, and
4: the like. Well, I think there's a lot of reasons why what happened this week happened. But I think for people that are listening this morning. Is this 2008? Is this here we go again? Is this just the start of something bigger? And I think that that's worthy of a conversation.
2: And, and it is. And obviously, what happened in 2008 was a confluence of factors, and it was you know it was things that just overheated. That's not what's happening here, right. and it's exactly Derek, what you just alluded to. It was there was a vacancy because we were between earnings season and the interest rate fear, and that was real. We saw some interest rate fears that happened, and when it ended, interest actually interest rates moved in the right direction.
3: Well, you know, and a common saw in the markets is is don't fight the Fed. And when Chairman Powell last week said that we're a long way from neutral on interest rates, I think investors, some investors in particular, extrapolated that to mean that the Fed's going to raise rates no matter what. That just be, you know, they've got four potential rate increases in 2019, another one coming in December, and that they're just going to continue
4: to raise rates uh, until they break something. And I think that's a little bit of an overreaction, personally. So when you get to it, companies, when they borrow money, that's what we're talking about here, is can companies continue to grow if their debt service continues to increase? Does it become harder in a rising dollar environment for companies, U.S. multinational companies, to make more money when they're selling overseas? So that's the fear, is that you have this pressure on stock prices that are brought about by external forces, in this case the Fed, perhaps tariffs, perhaps other things that are going on around the world. And I think that that's what we need to digest from this week, is are these things natural? Is this a natural correction? But what's the long-term forecast for these markets look like going forward?
2: You're exactly right, Mark. And let's turn our attention to earnings. And we saw some earnings reports that came out on Friday.
3: Right. Three of the major banks reported J.P. Morgan among them. J.P. Morgan actually reported a good quarter. Uh, but, you know, given the the way the market's been trading recently, investors sold the news. So even though we opened up about 400 on the Dow, uh, the financials quickly sold off. The Dow was quickly back to unchanged. But in the afternoon, uh, lots, of, lots of buy orders hit the market. I think there was, you know, more talk about, you know, perhaps uh, some amelioration intentions with China, the Trump administration potentially planning a meeting with the head of Uh, the Chinese government in November, you know, the the fact that we're not going to label China currency manipulator. And these are things that are bothering people, tariffs and China and, you know, just the the idea that the Chinese economy may be slowing. And I just think, you know, as we enter earnings season, we're looking for 20 percent up in in S&P earnings
4: for the quarter, a more reasonable valuation, obviously, than it was a week ago. So you look at China as being the second largest economy in the world, behind the United States, of course. And so when China is still going through quantitative easing and they're trying to spur an economy that's already growing at 6.5%, maybe 7%, you've got to believe the numbers, what comes out of China. But the fact is, Derek, is that it's worth taking notice of things like that. So those are all reasons that the market kind of pulled back this week. But the corrections are natural, right? I mean, this is not something that... You would certainly make wholesale changes in your portfolio. Instead, this would be an opportunity to look at things like rebalancing and risk assessment.
3: Well, I think that's really what it boils down to. Last week's activity was a reminder to rebalance, and we talk to you know clients and and prospects all the time about looking at your portfolio, aggregating your various holdings, figuring out where you're exposed and where you're underexposed. And I felt, you know, I, I mean, as you know, Mark, on our investment committee, we had raised a significant amount of cash. Uh, several months ago, and and we did put that cash to work on Friday.
1: Derek Felsky, our Chief Investment Officer, it's 1022 at WTMJ. It is Money Talk, Annex Wealth Management. Know the difference. It's team, tech, trust. Head to AnnexWealth.com. Spreading
0: the wealth every Saturday. Here's more Money Talk with Dave Spano and Mark Oswald on WTMJ.
1: Money Talk, Annex Wealth Management, Team Technology Trust. Got the team in here, Dave Spano, Derek Felsky, and Mark Oswald. So what now after... Wednesday and Thursday?
2: Well, that is a really good question, and it's a question that we're getting from our clients, and when we build these portfolios, we try to do build all-weather portfolios for this very reason, that these things happen, as Mark said. You know, you get these natural corrections, and by the way, if you look at where we are as of Thursday, Derek, it is actually less expensive on Thursday than it was in January.
3: Well, yeah, I, I listened to a conference call, and, and, and basically, given the decline we've had in the S&P 500, for example, uh, the, the forward P.E. multiple on S&P earnings is down to 15.7, which is below the 25-year average. And I would argue that given how low interest rates are, regardless of which direction they're going and how low inflation is and how the job market is you could actually argue that the S&P should trade at an above average multiple so certainly stocks are were on sale last week as i mentioned we redeployed some cash on friday and our expectation is that as you know when the dust settles the technical damage that was done this week is
4: not warranted by what we perceive to be strong corporate fundamentals. You know, sometimes you see investors, and especially some younger investors or people with less experience, and they look at the major markets like the S&P 500 or the Dow, and they say, well, the Dow's up 6%. How come I'm only up 4%? That's a great question. And, and you and we've know heard that, Mark. And, 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 absolutely. And, and, you, and you know what? This week kind of underpins why that happens, which is the diversified portfolio, because When you are a 100% equity investor, if you've got all of your eggs in the S&P 500, you're going to get the whole ride.
2: And there's reams and reams of data that shows when you have a diversified portfolio over time that your risk goes
3: down and your return goes
2: up. I mean, isn't that exactly why you build portfolios, Eric? uh, yeah,
3: risk-adjusted returns is, is sort of the technical term for that. And the other thing that I noticed with the S&P this week, you know, aside from the fact that it had been leading the, leading the global markets up to really the last couple of weeks, is that we actually got the most oversold on the S&P 500 on Thursday since August of 2015. This is at a time when we're looking for S&P earnings to be up over 20% in the quarter. Uh, the unemployment rate is the lowest level since the Miracle Mets of 1969. I mean, I'm from New York. That just, yeah, we know. Yeah, we I know. understand. Okay, but, but you know, so, so the way I look at it is it was an opportunity for us to, to redeploy cash in an area that we felt was attractive, and, and we'll see how earnings results proceed as we go along.
2: You know, Derek, you know, we always look at this thing called the fear and greed index, and you've shown that. Where was that
3: this week? It, well, it got down to six, and, you know, the internal memo that I sent around our firm, You know, following our choice to, you know, put some cash to work was that with the fear and greed index less than 10, and it has been there for a couple of days. Historically, that's been a very good buy opportunity. Now, oversold markets can remain that way, but, you know, that's where we do the fundamental diligence. We've
4: talked to some companies. We've talked to some managers, and business is very good. When you look at that number too, you're talking about a six on a scale of zero to a hundred. It's not one to ten. It's zero to a hundred. So it's very fearful at this point in time. The other thing that I think becomes important here, Derek, is buying indexes versus active management. Because when you're looking right now at a market like the S&P 500, you look at the Dow dropping almost 1400 points. If you're in just the Dow, you got the whole ride down. But if you're in an active manager, Dave, you know, you could be working with somebody who is taking that index apart and looking at the good, the bad, and the ugly and picking specific companies that are going to benefit you.
2: And I think that is a great question because right now we've seen that some 70% of new assets going into the equity markets is going through exchange traded funds, which is a manager less Mm -hmm. a product. And Derek, I think as we get late in this bull market, I think active manager and the ability to select is going to be important.
3: Uh, well, no doubt. I mean, this, this unnaturally low interest rate environment that we've been in since 2009 has kept a lot of companies alive that probably don't deserve to be. For example, this week we saw... You know, Sears is going bankrupt finally. Sears should have gone bankrupt years ago. They missed the boat and did a very poor job of, of managing Internet capability and the rest. But by the way, just
2: real quickly, I read a great piece about the, uh, the original uh, Amazon was
3: the Sears Roebuck catalog, catalog, right, yeah, yeah, yeah. if you
2: think about it. But anyways, go ahead. You were talking about Sears.
3: Well, so you saw that with Sears, and we saw that You know, in the auto sector. There are certain auto companies that have been better able to manage their way around uh, changing consumer preferences than others. And I again, you know, when we're managing these portfolios, we've always advocated a blend of active and passive investing, primarily because, uh, you know, a higher interest rate environment ought to, ought to benefit active stock pickers, But, you know, the, the lower costs that we get from ETS makes sense as well.
1: Derek Felsky, our chief investment officer, um, Dave Spano, he had to work the Mets in, didn't
2: he? Well, he not only did he have to work the Mets in, but he had to work today because it was too chilly for him to play on <laughs> the golf course right. yeah. tomorrow. I mean, and then today, actually. But, you know, I'll tell you what. The Brewers won in 6-5 last <sighs> night. Big win. Tomorrow? Are you going today? I'm going today. This Good. A little bit. So you know, as soon as we're done here, as soon as Deanne gets done with her segment, we'll, we're going to. So three. Over there.
1: So three o'clock. When when do people start showing up? When is it two different hours, than? Is it different? Do the people stay in the parking lot still, or did you see more people at the start of the game?
2: No, they, they were there early for sure. People were tailgating. In fact, if you're a ticket holder, the Brewers sent out an email that said, Make sure you get there early because you got to get in, and the parking is different than, yeah. than normal. So there's, you know, there's 45,000 people going there. So for sure, we're going to want to get there early. Bigger today. media presence? Did you see oh, that? It was, plus, it's Los Angeles, right? right? And right. one of the biggest markets in the world. So they're all there.
1: I thought the park looked fantastic. It yeah, really it was, did. It was awesome. Yeah, yeah big big win, big win today. Big win today. It's Money Talk, Annex Wealth Management, annexwealth.com is the website. Know the difference. You can get started. Get that free portfolio analysis.
0: From simple investments to stock advice, back to Money Talk with Dave Spano and Mark Oswald on WTMJ.
1: Tom Parks, Director of Retirement Plan Services, is joining us. Hey, Tom. Hey, good to see you. We're going to talk about 401ks, and we're going to talk about fees. Interesting article, and in read the headline, because it's it's a little bit of a kind of a gotcha.
5: Sure. So it says, is your 401k loaded with hidden expenses? Um, but yeah, they of course, they want to scare everyone into thinking that everything's way more expensive than it should be. And in some cases, uh, it is. Let's talk about what's reasonable. When people have a 401k plan, I mean, it's
1: natural to pay for it, right?
5: I think the first thing that people need to remember with a 401k plan is what are they paying for? So what are the services that you're receiving? When most people think of a 401k plan, they think of the funds that they have in the plan. And those always have a cost associated with them. But what people don't think about is the record keeping that goes on. There's all sorts of regulatory compliance that surrounds 401k plans and somebody needs to do that. It has to be done because you have to file your 5,500 every year and a lot of plans are audited. Those audits need to be paid for. There's just a lot that goes into running a 401k plan in compliance with the government requirement that must be done. So if I'm with Voya and I'm with eight different funds, am I paying eight different fees? Great question. So I always tell plan fiduciaries, so the employers when they're looking, because those are the people I work most closely with, is you have a fiduciary duty to understand how much are you paying, what are you receiving in exchange for that compensation, and who's getting paid what. The things that they're talking about in this article really are the responsibility of the employer, not the employees. So this stuff should be getting done at the employer level. Back to the original question of uh, you've got these eight funds, right? And are you paying eight different fees? Well, they're different levels of service. So there's the record keeping service, right? That's the the company in the case that you mentioned, Voya or Fidelity or Vanguard or whomever. Then you've got the mutual funds, and you've got, say, 15 different mutual funds to choose from. Each one of those mutual funds has a different cost associated with it. So let's say that there are two funds. There are only two funds in the plan, and this one fund has a 0.50% expense ratio, and the expense ratio, that's what we call the cost of a mm-hmm. mutual fund, and the other one has a 025 Well, so one of them costs half as much as the other. If you pick the one that costs 025 You pay 0.25. If I pick the one that costs 0.50, then that's what I pay. So that's where you do have some control as an employee on how much you're going to pay is how you go about choosing your investments. But what they talk about in this article, and this is where it's really important, especially for employers, and I encourage employees to ask their employer if they know about this stuff um, because they should, is are any of those other, that record keeping fee I talked about or an advisory fee, where does that show up? And this is something that we go through with our clients is you have to understand this is how. How much you're paying and this is how much each entity, each service provider, how much is each one of them getting paid. So right? how
1: many numbers am I seeing for expenses? Am I seeing one in my
5: plan? Yeah well usually so right when you get a disclosure there's this thing called the 404A5 disclosure and that's what is sent out it's required by law to anyone who's got a 401k account right what they normally do because it just is easier is they take all those different fees and they morph them into one. Right? I'm fine with that. Yeah, yeah, and most people are. right. That's the thing about this article, it's kind of weird, is it's telling people, you know, you should look into all this stuff. You know, they're talking about, so they have direct compensation, indirect compensation, and then other fees, sub-TA fees, 12B1 fees, shareholder servicing fee. I mean, seriously, the, if you are in a 401k plan and you're trying to figure all this stuff out, you've got too much time on your hands, this is the kind of stuff that your employer really should be figuring out. And so you should trust that they're doing what they, what they think is in your best interest.
1: Tom Parks, Director of Retirement Plan Services. For me as a consumer, just give me a thing that works and I'll be happy with it. Frankly, I got to tell you, I don't even
5: know if I know how much I am charged. Yeah. Well, you should have access to that much. (laughs) At least when you get that disclosure and when you go to the website, you can log in and you can see it because it's always there. It's just a question of finding where it is, right? The thing is, keep in mind what you're what you're getting in exchange for that, and at the employee level, a lot of times there's a lot of stuff going on behind the scenes in a 401k plan that you just don't know is happening, and hopefully you don't know because that means it's being done properly, right? Um, it's when things aren't being done right that all of a sudden you start noticing them.
1: So, Tom, if there's an HR director or CFO, somebody that's uh, a fiduciary for their employees, how do they work with you?
5: We work with employers. A lot of this stuff happens on the front end, and then we do annual or more than biannual reviews of hey remember that conversation and as it pertains to this specific issue with fees and how they're structured we revisit this with employers and they're always like wait a minute explain that again they're aware of it they trust after we've had these conversations that we're helping them do it right but even a lot of employers are like yep i get it conceptually i know what you're saying thanks for showing us but i don't want to be the expert on this because it's very complicated as fiduciaries, we have a duty to act in the best interest of, of our clients, and employers have that same duty, so we try to help them uh, fulfill that. And just find you on AnnexWealth.com. AnnexWealth.com, or give us a call, 262-786-6363. 1040
1: WTMJ Money Talk. I'm Danny Clayton. Dean Phillips in the studio. Fresh off, what, kickboxing? Is that it? <laughs> yes, that I it? am. Okay. Thank all you right. for You're broadcasting the, that. Right. And we have, a, we have a little talk coming up, f- saving the family cabin. Interesting stuff.
6: We do, because this is a topic, you know, that's close to people's hearts in in the state of Wisconsin.
1: Great. So that is on the way on Money Talk and WTMJ.
0: Get professional help with your
6: portfolio. This is Money
0: Talk with Dave Spano and Mark Oswald on WTMJ.
1: Money Talk, Annex Wealth Management, Team Technology Trust. This is a team segment, is Ask Annex. You can head to our website and just find that Ask button. We love to hear from you. Mandy, welcome back. Thank you. Got a couple for you. Paul writes in and says, What should I contribute to first, a 529 for my children or our retirement?
2: And that is an excellent question, Mark, and I'm glad you're joining us for this because uh, we often joke that you know you, we're, you're paying for college, but you're not really sure what
4: if, if they're going to school. You know, <laughs> you, you you drop them off at the dorm, but that's about the best you can do at that age. But you know, it, it's an interesting question. There's probably a lot of people out there screaming at their radio, retirement, because you know it, it, it's it's something when you have that option, Mandy. To either take money and put it into a 529 plan for college savings for your children mm-hmm. or fund your own retirement.
7: Right. And you know that the financial planner and you will be safe for yourself, safe for your retirement first, like a lot of people might think. Um, but you have to balance that with the 529 plan. If you're already maxing out your retirement and you've done you know, a good retirement planning meeting with an advisor and you and you're on a good path for retirement, then you might start to look at 529 plans for your kids.
2: So a real quick primer from our tax expert. If you're saving for your retirement, that's on a pre-tax basis. Correct. And if you're saving for 529...
7: It's a mix because you put the money in after tax, but you can get a Wisconsin income tax deduction, and, but, but it then grows it tax-free.
2: grows tax-free. So there is tax benefits. Mm-hmm. They're both tax-advantaged. They are. But when you're trying to retire, you always say you want to retire... You you want to save for yourself first right. and the kids second. And some people might roll their eyes at that, but that is a long-time uh, financial planning concept.
7: Exactly, yes.
1: What do they tell you in the airplane? Put your oxygen mask on first? Right, exactly. You first, yeah. Alright, right. Robin writes, I've got $50,000 from the proceeds of a sale. I want to invest it in two 529s for my kids. Is it better to put it in all at once or should I space it out? Well, you know, and I, that's a really great question, Mark, because the things that you, that
2: I think of when I hear that question is, how much of the 50000 thousand dollars does that represent of your investable net worth because that makes a difference and if it's a smaller percentage that could change your answer in fact you know think about what happened this week
4: with what the market did it could give you another answer as well well sure there's no doubt about that and when you look at do you put the money into the 529 or the retirement plan that's one question i think the mechanics here is the question at hand is do you take it and put it into one account for one beneficiary, or do you split it into two accounts for two beneficiaries, and there's a reason why you'd wanna do one over the other, right Mandy?
7: Right, yeah, and definitely from a tax perspective, and you know what Dave is talking about, when I hear this question, I think from tax wise, You can only deduct right. 3,200 per kid per year. Mm-hmm. That's where you might wanna spread it out. And if you're looking at putting $50,000 into one kid, you have a gift tax issue for that one year. So, But, I, you, know.
2: but you can go five years at you once. Can. You, you can. You can function. do five years at once. And so you can you can do that, but as far as the investing reason mm-hmm. of it, it really depends. And obviously if you had some capital to put to work, this could have been a week uh, to put it to work. We'll have to see how things turns out. Can we, can we squeeze one more? Yeah, in? we
1: can squeeze one in. Uh, Penny writes, I don't pay much attention to taxes. Yay, Penny! That's me too. <laughs> okay. I don't pay much attention to taxes, but do contribute to charities and deduct it on my return is that gone now?
7: That is not necessarily gone now, but with tax law changes, it does make it harder to itemize, which is how people got that tax benefit for giving to charity. So it's just you know conversations we've had before in the past goes with, are you still going to be itemizing? And if you are, does it make sense to maybe lump your deductions, your charitable donations in one year?
2: And you know, that's a, that is that is the standard answer, but I'm not sure that everyone driving down I-94 understands what you just said. So for example, if you were gonna make a contribution to your church or mm-hmm. to your school, but you lose the deductibility, what does the bunching mean?
7: Bunching means, so if you give 2,000 to your church every year, you've given 2,000 already for this year, do you then give 2000 in December, that is earmarked for next year, but you do it this year, so that way, from a tax perspective, you've given $4,000. And
2: then next year, you wouldn't get a deduction at all.
7: Correct, and you wouldn't, theoretically, in that instance, not give anything to your church that year, because you've exactly. already given it this year. So that's
4: why bunching makes sense. Right, instead of getting the itemized deduction, you get the standard deduction. So you're still getting a deduction, but you're mm-hmm. just bunching those expenses to get the itemized deduction. The larger deduction, presumably in any given year, and then you take the standard deduction in the next year.
7: In in the alternate year, yeah. And With the change in tax law, there's other strategies depending on your age and kind of what your goals are with charity that you could be doing.
1: All right, Money Talk, Annex Health Management at 1048. Hey, who's got a family cabin? Has it been in the, uh, is it generations? I mean, that can sometimes present some issues and problems. Stick around for our next segment on Money Talk on WTMJ
0: never get less than your money's worth this is money talk with dave spano and mark oswald on wtmj
1: yeah there we go Ten fifty-two at wtmj it's money talk i'm danny clayton deanne phillips is joining me and uh, megan garabik hey megan good morning
8: good morning
1: now now deanne has done um already a kickboxing uh class now can, can you say the same
8: i cannot okay although i have three kids under seven so that's sort of the same right?
1: you've got your workout so we're going to talk about saving the family cabin i find this very interesting uh dan you've been working on this megan sounds like an expert on it as well and we have a presentation coming up
6: well we do so october 17th we're going to be giving this actually twice we're going to give it at three in the afternoon for um the people who are already a part of annex and then at six o'clock at night for anybody else and this is interesting because it's not just about the cabin uh right megan it's really about any kind of property that is not your residence your your primary residence that you might have and what we have found out that when multiple family members inherit something like this together definitely there are, could be arguments squabbles and those can come from even the best of intentions
8: that's right yep Um. Or, you know when our clients come in and talk about having a family cabin and what their kind of goals and objectives are more often than not, the biggest thing on their mind is how do we transfer this to the next generation in a way that will cause the least amount of strain and conflict amongst our kids, grandkids, whoever the intended beneficiaries are. And yeah, there are yeah. certainly some really good legal ways to do that, but also the practical decisions should drive that as well
6: well right and i think you need to start with those practical decisions right decide who really wants it don't assume everybody wants it. Maybe i would assume has. everybody wants it right <laughs> it's on golden <laughs> well, pond
1: wouldn't you want it exactly right?
6: but that you know it's for funny because pe- clients really that really is changing yeah. with
8: kids not staying as close to kind of where they grew up as maybe they once did Parents oftentimes or grandparents assume that everybody wants a family cabin because they have great memories. And once they start talking to their family members, they realize, you know, they have their own thoughts about where they want their family to vacation in the future or where they want to be tied to moving forward. So it's a great point that that really is a a really important place to start.
6: But there also is the consideration that not everyone might have the resources for the upkeep and continuing maintenance and property taxes and everything else that has to go with owning a second property.
8: Certainly. You know, the ownership of real estate is um, an asset on your balance sheet, but it's really a liability until you are, are looking to sell it because it does take a fair amount of uh, financial resources to maintain and to improve and to make sure that it, it stays a place where everybody can enjoy it. So. It is something to think through how financially is this transition going to work and who's going to be able to participate in that moving
6: forward. So this is a
1: pres- sorry to interrupt, but this is a presentation that we're holding at Annex on Wednesday, Wednesday this and it's called Wednesday. Saving the Family Cabin. So, And I know that we've got clients coming in, but we've got a public one as well, and it's it's Technically full, but we're adding space. But if you've got one in your family, you'll want to know about this.
6: You'll want to, and when you go to annexwealth.com to sign up under the events tab, you'll see it. You know, it's okay. It'll say, I think, waiting list right now. Click it. We will be in touch with you. Um, We are going to expand the attendance capability because it's been very popular. Okay. Um, so Megan, yeah, we're going to talk about keeping peace among those family members and kind of culling through the right decision-making process to really see who wants it, how we're going to go about, you know, or whom we're going to go about giving it to. But let's talk for a moment about the how, because if you don't plan, there can be creditor, divorce settlement, other issues if you don't put it in the right legal format. That's
8: right. You know, the, the, type of entity or the type of um, transition that it makes sense will completely depend on the family dynamic, what the goals of the family are. Are there other resources that we want to provide to the next generation to help relieve some of that financial burden of maintaining the cabin? And there are some really great ways to do that in, in entity, either trust formats or LLCs or family partnership type entities. So we will go into that as part of the presentation as well, and just lay out the options for people, and really what the pros and cons of each one are.
6: So, and, and Megan is with Von Briesen, an attorney who specializes in this. So uh, she's going to be joining me and Mandy Nowashinsky, our tax expert at Annex, and we're going to talk about the the questions you want to start asking yourself before that you know, initial transfer even happens. Uh, so the emotional aspects, we're going to talk about some of the tax aspects. And we're going to talk about, of course, the legal aspects just to get our crowds thinking about in a more organized manner of the best way with the best intentions to do that transfer. Megan, quickly, what's the biggest mistake you've seen?
8: I think the biggest mistake is a first of all, the assumption that everybody wants it. I think it's, an, it's a really important thing as we touched on already today. I think another mistake that people make is kind of kicking the can down the road. It's not easy necessarily to talk through and think through all of these things. So a lot of clients just say, you know what, I'm just going to leave it generally as the rest of my estate would transfer and they can sort it out. And I will tell you that the clients who have had the most success in transitioning this to the next generation are the ones who have put that structure in place and really provided the next generation with the gift of having thought through at least some of the issues that could come forward so that everybody's really in a good place to start and move forward
1: together. All right, Megan, thank you. It uh, happens Wednesday, AnnexWealth.com slash events slash cabin. Join the wait list. So right now we're sold out. Technically, we're building a wait list. Thank you. That is Money Talk for uh, Saturday, October 13th. We'll see you in a week. Advice and opinions expressed during Money Talk are solely that of the hosts or guests of Annex Wealth Management
0: and not WTMJ Radio or Scripts Media Incorporated